The Dr. Taz Show. The podcast, Dr. Taz. Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back to Superwoman Wellness. On every episode of the show, we will uncover the secrets to being superpowered and being the superwoman that you are meant to be. Joining me today is Amy Shapiro. Amy is a nutritionist. She's the founder and director of Real Nutrition, a New York City-based private practice dedicated to healthfully and successfully getting clients to their optimal nutrition, weight, and overall wellness. She is internationally recognized for her individualized, lifestyle-focused approach which integrates realistic food plans, smart eating habits, and active living. Through encouragement, education, and the right tricks of the trade, Amy believes that anyone can achieve their nutritional goals while still enjoying the foods and the flavors that they crave. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, we're excited that you're here. You know, this is an area where we still have confusion. We still have lots of questions. Everyone is getting ready for the holidays and trying to figure out, you know, just in fact, every patient I have right now is coming in and, you know, as we talk about their treatment plans and their diet recommendations, they're like, okay, January 1 is when I'm going to start all of this. And I'm like, that's fine. Talk to (laughs) us a little bit about what the holidays mean for us in terms of food and nutrition and what you see happening and really, where do we go when we're trying to think about, all right, we've binged a little bit on the holidays. Where do we head next when we start the new year? Yeah. So I think everybody, you know, overindulges a bit in the um, holiday season and everyone's really motivated to come back January 1 and kind of, you know, kickstart. So in the years past, there's been a lot of Whole30. There's been dry Januaries. So there's a lot of trends and motivation, you know, behind that. Um, And my, my, strategy with my clients is really, you know, let's focus on a few things that we know we can really succeed at and succeed at well without having to put in too much effort so we feel motivated by those changes and continue them as well as to make additional choices um, to benefit our health. Um, So I would say it's great to come in strong, but also to make sure that we have some very focused, um, achievable goals so we can, you know, maintain that throughout February. So are there some just general things before we dive into, in fact, just yesterday I was looking up for a a patient, the grams of carbs and sugar and wine and beer and different alcoholic drinks. Are there just some general recommendations that you could throw out there as we go into this next week where many people will be celebrating with their families and they will also be indulging a little bit or may even be on vacation? What are some general rules that you advise folks to follow? Um, In terms of alcohol? In terms of just food and alcohol in general. Oh, yeah, for sure. So what I always say is regardless of where you're going, um, you know, being prepared is half the battle. So if you have parties to go to, you know, you don't want to show up hungry. Or if you, um, you know, are going to go out, you know, drinking, you don't want to show up dehydrated. So it's always know what's ahead of you and then plan for that. So when it's parties or there's going to be food around, you know, if you make sure that you, one of my big rules is you always want to nail breakfast or your first meal of the day, because that's always very much so in your control for the most part. So once breakfast is, you know, a, a meal that you can completely manage and eat in a very healthy manner, the rest of the day can kind of get shaky, right? You might be out on the pool if you're on vacation or you might be going having an office lunch or a, a dinner party. So morning must be, you know, completely nailed. Um, so that's one of my big roles. My other role is do not show up hungry. If you're going to a party, do not save your calories for that one big event. Don't save your calories for that big gluttonous dinner. Don't show up hungry. If you show up hungry, you are going to eat way more than you planned on. You're going to feel bloated. You're going to feel full and you're going to feel unmotivated. 
And then in terms of alcohol, my rule is really, you know, keep your drinks clean. So in terms of the carbohydrates, mm-hmm. they're not so high in alcohol because a lot of the sugar has been fermented out and, you know, mm-hmm. the creating the alcohol content. But um, the calories add up. And anybody who's of drinking age can pretty much drink a decent amount of wine without falling over, or at least right. a lot of my clients can. Right. So I always right. say, you know, right. So I always say, you know, wine is okay, but if you're going to be drinking more than one or two cocktails, you know, I always really try and encourage my clients to go more for liquor, like a tequila mm-hmm. or a vodka, um, and then to mix it with something like club soda that doesn't have any sugar in it, and then to add some lemon or lime to, you know, to give it a little bit more of a palatable taste because it's lower in carbs. There actually aren't any carbs, lower in sugar, a little bit more potent, and you can dilute it. Wow. So vodka, club soda, no wine, no beer. Is that kind of the rule there? Yeah. And don't forget about tequila. Big fan of tequila. Tequila and tequila also. What, tell me why you're a fan of tequila. I've got to ask. It's the holidays, guys. I've got to ask these questions. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's, it's fun to know what alcohol you can drink, right? It's always fun right. to know what you can eat instead of can't eat. Um, right. So tequila is great. It's just, it's fairly, it's pretty clean. It's from the agave plant. Um, you know, so it's just, um, and, and it's also the only alcohol that is actually a stimulant instead of a depressant. So huh. when you're going out, if you need a little kick in your, you know, a little kick in your step, or if you, you know, know you have a long night ahead of you, it just um, is more of an upper as opposed to a downer. So. Wow. And I all didn't of know that about alcohol or about tequila. See, so. Only tequila. Yeah. Um, but when you add with, um, you know, fresh lime and a little bit of club soda, it's kind, kind of, I'm not going to say it's exactly, it's kind of that margarita without all the added sugar. So what we want to gotcha. do is make sure our mixers have no sugar because that leads to the hangover and also leads to these excess calories we just certainly don't need this time of year. Huh. So interesting. So I hope everybody caught all of that. So some general rules for <laughs> holiday parties and having fun this over the next few weeks and celebrating with your family and friends is to definitely eat breakfast. Don't show up hungry. You will overeat if you show up hungry. You know, choose your calories wisely when you are indulging. You know, maybe pick one or two things that you want to indulge in, but you can't have it all. Uh, and then when it comes to alcohol, so tequila and vodka with club soda and maybe lime might be your best bet over wine and beer. So just some quick little rules to get through the holidays. Now, when we get into the new year and everybody really is ready to reset, recharge, start fresh, what is the best way to approach that? I feel like, I feel like you know, I always feel like we're getting away from that whole New Year's, you know, rush or mentality that, okay, it's a new year, I've got to do all this stuff. But how do we go into the new year in a healthy way where we can have lasting change in habits and lasting results? So, yeah, so this is what I kind of touched on in the beginning a little. I always say, you know, pick a few goals that you know you can do daily. So some things that I might recommend would be to make sure you're meeting your water goals, right? It's really, um, everybody says like, oh, well, I don't like water. I just want to drink my coffee or I want to drink, you know, soda or whatever it is. But if we're making sure that we're drinking our water goals and we're motivated in January to make these changes, water really does help. It helps to improve our metabolism. It helps for weight loss. It helps to decrease bloating. It improves our energy. So that's a really good goal. And you can go ahead and buy yourself a really nice fancy water bottle or something that makes you feel empowered about drinking water. But I always say that's a great goal that most people will overlook and just say, like, I'm going to drink celery juice or I'm going to have a smoothie every morning. Let's keep it easy. Let's drink water, right? So I always say that's something that we can easily do. Another easy thing that we can implement is fill half your plate with vegetables at every meal right? It seems so simple, but really, if we're going to fill half our plate with vegetables, we're going to have less room for the more calorically dense foods. Um, And it's a a good practice. 
put into place that it's more of a lifestyle focused practice instead of a weight loss or, you know, super, super diet focused kind of mentality. Um, and then I always say something that's a little bit more challenging might be, you know, like cut out the white foods and that mm-hmm. doesn't include cauliflower. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, cut out the white foods that might be around the office that are available, you know, those bagels that are in conference rooms or a bite or two of your kid's french fries or, you know, the white bun on a hamburger, all these little things um, that present themselves often that don't really make up the nutritional part of our plate. So those would be like three, quote unquote, easy changes that aren't Mm -hmm. too restrictive and that you can apply anywhere. So that's that's easy to follow. So drink your water, fill half your plate full of vegetables, and then cut out the white foods. So staying kind of within those three rules can help you really jumpstart and refresh the new, into going into the new year. Which uh, did I get it right? Yeah, and without too much restriction. You know, it's it's really um, if you fill half your plate with vegetables, it doesn't mean you can't have carbs or protein. It's just there's less room for them, which makes you instantly portion control Wonderful. and make so sure you're eating all those antioxidants that you want. Yeah, so those are those are relatively easy rules to follow. Now, what do you think about things like uh, detoxing in the new year? You know, doing a, uh, intermittent fasting. What, some of these plans and diets that are out there now. Let's start with detox. Tell us what you think about doing detoxes, like doing a seven day detox, a ten day detox, a reset. Kind of, what do you think of some of those plans? Yeah, so I mean, I think that they're motivating, and I think that that's part of it. If people are motivated by something to improve their health, then I, I really can't frown upon it. But I do think that some of these programs are a little bit, you know, not only intense and restrictive, but sometimes they do things that we don't think they're going to do, like increase our blood sugar levels because we're just drinking juice all day mm-hmm. um, or, you know, um, slow down our metabolism because our calorie intake is only 500 calories and really we need 1,200 to 1,500 calories. So sometimes they can be very motivating, but sometimes they can be more of a detriment than a health benefit. Um, so in terms of detox, our body really is built to detoxify itself, right? That's what mm-hmm. our kidneys and our liver are for. Right. So, you know, if you want to detox by saying like, I'm, I'm going to take a break from alcohol, I can't argue with that. Um, but I would say that, you know, our body is pretty good at detoxing itself. And that's where the water component comes in. Because if you're going to drink your 8 to 10 glasses of water a day, you're going to help your body naturally detox because that mm-hmm. water is going to help your kidneys and your liver flush out the toxins. So I think detox is a strong word because, you know, nothing is really going to help to detox the body. It's just more of a play on words and a marketing tool to kind of get you to commit to a plan for seven days. Gotcha. And then what about intermittent fasting? Let's talk a little bit about that. I've actually tried some of that myself. So I'm just curious what you think of that whole trend and plan that's out there right now. Yeah, well, the research behind intermittent fasting is pretty impressive, um, you know, on Mm -hmm. like a biochemical level um, with disease prevention. Um, So there is some good um, evidence on that as a weight loss tool or as a, um, you know, as a tool for you know, restricting eating behaviors. I think um, intermittent fasting needs to be used the way that it, it's meant to be used, which means whatever whatever your eating window is, you must consume all the calories that you need within a day. So it's not to avoid eating certain calories. It's just to shorten your window of eating. Mm-hmm. So it is beneficial, but we don't want to use it as a restrictive tool. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Now, do you see, so the way I've been doing intermittent fasting and it's quite honestly been working is that I have a window of eating 
that's the window within which I eat, but it doesn't mean I can binge eat and I can eat a lot of high fat foods, which is a common trap I see for so many people. Um, you know, what other advice would you give maybe a woman who's out there thinking about intermittent fasting versus a man? And then the other thing I don't like about it is some of the super long fasts, like the 24 hour and the two day fasts and things like that. Mm. That's sort of the research and the science behind all of that and intermittent fasting as it pertains to women's health. Right. So for women, I usually recommend a shorter fasting window of about 12 to 14 hours max. Um, I think for our hormones um, and energy, um, I think that that's really where we see the biggest benefit. So I always recommend for most, the majority of my clients to get in about 12 hours, which really shouldn't be that hard if you're getting in as much sleep as you really should be getting, um, which could be another New Year's resolution goal for people. Um, but I usually recommend about 12 to 14 hours for women. Men can go a bit longer to 16 hours, um, just how our hormones and our bodies are set up. Um, but it is important to use your eating window to not just um, restrict food and, to, and yes, to eat food, but it is to make sure you get all your nourishment in that window. So there really isn't too much time for French fries and cheeseburgers if you want to make sure you're getting in your antioxidants, your fiber, um, you know, from plants and seeds and nuts and grains as well. So um, I usually recommend for women, you know, the 12 to 14 hour window, but to also eat, you know, a lot of your vegetables and your clean proteins in that time period, not to use it as like a quote unquote cheat time. Um, for the longer fast, that is not something that I'm really very um, um, professionally educated on because I certainly don't recommend anyone doing a 24-hour fast mm -hmm. or a two-day fast without medical, you know, without medical consultation or under the watch of, you know, a, a program. Um, and it's not something I use with my clients. Gotcha. Okay. And then when it comes to, let's talk about keto. Let's tackle one more because I know these are probably the bigger trends that are out there right now. And again, what's your opinion of keto and what's your opinion of keto for women? And what are some of the things women should be watching out for? Yeah. So keto is certainly having its moment. Um, and I would just, you know, it's not, I am actually not a big fan of the keto diet. Um, in my clinical training, we really use keto for individuals who have Parkinson's and epilepsy. So um, that's really how I end up thinking about it. The high fat in that, in that type of diet really does help with the, the nerves and, and, um, and coating the nerves. But for weight loss or, you know, wellness, it's not really my first go-to choice. Um, I think the tricky thing about keto is that, you know, it's like 80 to 85% fat. And when we have that much fat, um, and so few carbs, about 5% of your diet coming from carbs, there's really no window to get in all of those antioxidants that we benefit from plants, um, which are carbs. So I do find it to be pretty restrictive. Um, and I don't, although you may lose weight in the beginning because you are pretty much eliminating carbs, it is very calorically dense. And if you are living, you know, an, a very modern day lifestyle of driving places or sitting behind a desk for 12 hours, you're not really burning up all those calories. So it can backfire on you in the end. Um, mm -hmm. And then I always say, you know, are you going to be doing this for the rest of your life? You know, are you never going to be eating a, a, a piece of bread or a, a carb again for the rest of your life? So I don't find it to be a very long-term diet either. Um, so I hope that that makes sense in what I'm saying. It's not my number one. Um, my biggest concern is that there's just not enough plant foods there's just that are allowed in the diet from my perspective, especially for women. Um, and I don't think we burn the calories as much as we, you know, as much as we think we do for that high caloric density um, that we take in. 
Gotcha. And then, you know, just in dealing with so many different clients in your private practice and then looking at these trends and we're all trying to think forward to the new year and maybe starting fresh or whatever, whatever we have in our minds, uh, what has generally worked best across the majority of the population? Now, I mean, I know every person's an individual, everyone's unique, and especially as women, there I always say weight is complex. It's, uh, you know, the sum of our gut health, our hormones, and so much more. But what have you seen, you know, sort of generally work best? And what are some of the biggest obstacles that you've seen patients have when they still feel like they're doing, you know, this is something I hear all the time, like I'm doing everything, I'm working out like a maniac, I'm, you know, trying to eat organic, I'm trying to really watch all my carbohydrates, but I'm, the weight's still not budging. What What have you noticed that some of those pitfalls are for those particular clients? I guess I asked you three questions. What, what have you seen works best uh, overall and generally speaking? Uh, what have been, what are some of the roadblocks for women in particular when it comes to thinking about their weight and food? And, you know, what are, when the when someone is telling you, you know, I've done everything, I'm exercising a lot, I'm eating everything I'm supposed to do, I'm following all, all of this stuff. What is the reason that they're not seeing results, at least in your experience? Right. So I would say what I see that works best is really going back to, you know, very basic way of thinking and what Michael Pollan says, right? Like eat food, mostly plants, not too much, right? right. So I think um, what I end up talking about a lot is portion control because everybody, you know, we have all these mixed messages that we should eat protein because it's lowest in calories and on the paleo diet and all of these things. So our portions, our portions are a little bit out of control, um, even if we're eating healthy foods. Um, so what works the most is my simple rule of fill half your plate with vegetables, another quarter of your plate, the other half, the quarter of your plate with a clean protein, um, and then the other quarter, a little bit of room for fat and like, you know, a quarter cup of grains at every meal or carbohydrates, like a sweet potato or squash or something like that. So it's really, um, you know, filling your plate the right way with mostly plants and then using your meat as a side dish and having healthy fats in there. Um, so that's what I find works, and I think it comes down to the fact that we're eating enough fiber, we're filling up on lower-calorie foods, and then we're having the satisfaction and satiation from the protein and the carbohydrates, but in the proper portion. Um, so that's where I see we have the most success, where people really think about what's going on their plate, how much they're eating at one time, and kind of moving on. Three meals a day, one snack if needed, and done. Um, everybody really likes to overeat. People are scared to feel hungry. Um, you know, food is everywhere. You know, sometimes now in clothing mm-hmm. stores, there's food at checkout, which is weird because it's not a food store. It's a clothing store. Um, right. So, you know, it's we're bombarded with food all the time. And so there's always an opportunity for us to eat. So I think it's going back to that, you know, older mentality of eat your meal. So you're 80% full. Move on. You can always eat again later. Um, so feel and that's, 80, so really that's a big one. That's a big one. I think that yeah. people get... Um, I don't, I think we've lost our hunger cues, quite honestly. And I think that's where fasting and some of these other things are helpful because I think we've completely lost what it feels like to be full and also to be hungry, you know, and I see that as being one of the biggest blocks. So the folks that are afraid of being hungry are often eating until they're 100% or 110% full. The folks that are, you know, not hungry are just not eating. And so they're doing different metabolic damage, you know, help us with that. So how do we gauge that 80% full? Is there a way to, to stop ourselves in the middle of that? You know, it's it's kind of hard to get people there because everyone's used to feeling 
like feeling that like they're done eating when they feel full. And we kind of need to beat that feeling. So what I always say is I tell my clients to kind of stop when they feel like they can eat three or four more bites or simply leave over a quarter of what's on your plate, right? So it's kind of, um, if you're eating out, even if you're getting one of those big salads from, you know, those salads places, leave over a quarter to a third of your, of your meal. To, and that's kind of an easy way for you to be like, okay, I feel like I can eat that, but I don't, my stomach's not really still growling. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to faint if I don't finish this and I can eat again in three hours. Right. So it's almost retraining your brain, which is the hard part because when right. people don't feel full, they think they feel hungry. Yeah. What, how, what is and that panic about fun? not, yeah. that's like slightly emotional. Is that emotional or is that cultural training that we're trained to feel hundred percent full and it takes a lot of work to come out of that to realize it's okay to, to be just a tiny bit hungry still at the end of a meal. I think it's both. I really think some cultures, right, that, you know, um, I know my grandma never wanted me to be hungry and she was always giving me, you know, something to eat or a super big meal or something. Um, but I do think a lot of it is emotional, you know, like you want to feel that comfort of feeling full or when you feel full, sometimes it relaxes your brain. You know, think mm-hmm. about after big meals, like that's not when you're your most productive. You kind of want to sit on the couch and relax or take a nap. So, right. you know, some people in a high anxiety state. Um, or if they're stressed, you know, there is the emotional component to overeating. And a lot of times when I work with my clients, I always say it's not really about the food, right? We're dealing right. on another level of emotions and old stories that we need to kind of dig into. Um, so that's why I say, you know, eating to 80% full is, is really retraining your brain and your body to be okay with it. But it's also, you know, with all of this intermittent fasting and all of these trends, it also confuses us to say, well, maybe I need to eat till I'm full because I can't eat for 12 hours. And Mm -hmm. then that happens. Gotcha. So something I like to tell my clients in the beginning is you can always eat again later. I don't care what time it is. You can always eat again later because what I want you to focus on is eating until you feel satisfied. And if you get hungry, you can always eat again later. And once I give them that cue that like I'm allowed everything kind of changes and relaxes a little bit. But I think it's that fear of where's my next meal or I have to wait 12 hours or, you know, I'm going with my kids here. I'm not going to eat at this party. But then you end up doing it anyway. Right, right. So kind of giving them the allowance to eat when they're hungry. And I think that's a new method. I like that. And it is, we are a society in a world of food abundance. I mean, it's everywhere. Like you said, it's within our reach. It's within our fingertips. And we're not in famine mode by any means. I mean, I know I have friends that do mission work in Haiti and they're saying, you know, they were talking about how when those guys get food, you know, they store up because they don't know when they're going to eat next. You know, they may get a meal in a day. They may not get a meal in a day. So they're okay with overeating. But for the rest of us who have food abundance, you know, it almost works against us to, to constantly try to get full. And last question, you know, and this might be tougher too, is that feeling of satiety. How do we help our audience who's listening today recognize that in themselves uh, before they've sort of overeaten or eaten too much? How do we help them be aware of it? We've talked so much about in the past with other guests about mindfulness and meditation. Is there a practice? Is there something that we could all put into place at mealtime so that we can recognize that point of satiety? Because I, again, think that that is the fundamental problem, that we're eating on the run, we're rushing around, you know, we're not conscious. So so we're not even paying attention to our physical cues and to what maybe our body's even trying to 
to tell us or to talk to us. Is is there something we can do for super women everywhere, supermen everywhere who are running around who are busy? Are there is there anything you've seen work to help us recognize that feeling of satiety and to correct ourselves until it becomes a very natural habit to do it, you know, on our own? Yeah, so I think one one piece of it is really being present at your meals. And I think that you stated that um you know, we are in a time where we are just always going and moving and doing, especially super women, right? Like we can do everything mm-hmm. with one hand. So right. um, it is taking time to actually sit down and enjoy your meal. I mean, I understand I have three kids and a job, so I'm rarely eating a very peaceful meal, you know, quietly. But taking a minute to actually say, I'm, I'm eating now, I'm going to put the phone away, I'm going to put the computer away and just, I mean, 15 minutes. That's all you're really mm-hmm. taking for, for those meals. So I think that that's important because really that connection, that, you know, stomach and and brain connection, it it takes time. And so when you eat really fast, like we're all doing these days, or you're eating in the car while you're driving and doing something else, we're not paying attention. So by the time we feel full, we're overly full. So it's really taking the time, putting your fork down between bites, chewing your food, you know, not swallowing it in big chunks because we got to get it down or we're preoccupied by something else. Um, so I think that that's one thing because then starting to feel leaving a little bit of food left over on your plate, that's going to teach you um, when you're what what satisfied feels like. But also to check in and say, is my stomach growling? I know it mm-hmm. feels like there's room here, but am I really hungry? The other piece is making sure that what you're eating is the perfect combination of foods to help you to feel full, well, to feel satisfied for a longer period of time. And this is why I always say we combine the fiber from the plant foods with the protein and healthy fats from the animal foods or the the plant oils, um, because that combination of foods will be the, take our body the longest to break down um, on the least amount of calories, right? So fiber with protein and a little bit of healthy fat is the perfect marriage of foods to keep us full, regardless of how large the portion is. But if we sit down to eat, you know, just like French fries on the run or even just grab an apple by itself, with, which seems very um, healthy, you know, we'll be hungry again in 45 minutes because that is just fiber, but there's no protein or fat to balance it out. So to teach ourselves how to balance our meal so we mm-hmm. can stay satisfied for a longer period of time without a blood sugar spike is also a piece of the puzzle. Wonderful information. I hope everybody out there was taking notes and listening. Lots of tools to help us get through the holidays. Also tools to help us reset in the new year. And then just tools for general good nutrition advice while we all navigate all the different trends and patterns and knowledge that is out there. It's almost overwhelming is what I hear commonly from all of you. Uh, Amy, before I leave you, any parting words to the audience? Oh, I think have fun and don't take it you know, don't make it so difficult. If we break it down into the basics, it really works. So half your plate full of veggies at every meal is going to take you really far. Wonderful. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Amy, what's the best way to to reach out to you or to follow you? Yep. So I'm on Instagram at Real Nutrition and my website is realnutritionnyc.com. And I can be reached in both of those places. Fantastic. Well, thank you for taking the time for joining us today. We appreciate it so much. And for everybody else out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Superwoman Wellness. It's now on Spotify as well. If you have questions about today's show, connect with me on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Taz MD. And if you enjoyed the show, please rate and review and share with your friends. Happy New Year, happy holidays, and I will see you guys next time.